Well, it's been some beautiful music this evening so far, and uh, you have been a big part of it, and we're so thankful for our choir and the additional voices and instruments that have joined in this expression of praise. For the next few moments, I want us to open our Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we just want to ponder for a few moments this passage that Brother Rob uh, read just moments ago what is called the Song of Simeon, or Nunc Dimittis. Luke 2, 21-35, it's on page 805 in the Pew Bible, if you would like to use that resource. This passage consists basically of three main components as we work through it. There is providence, followed by praise, and then prophecy. First of all, note providence. A providence has been simply defined as God's purposeful sovereignty. That is to say that God not only controls all things that happen, but God causes all things to happen in, for the good of those who love Him and are the called according to His purpose. And Simeon was such a person. Simeon was a godly man who believed God's promise down through the ages with all the prophecies that God would send a Savior to rescue His people from their sins. Luke says that the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon in some way, somehow, that he would not see death until he looked upon the Lord's Messiah with his own eyes. Verse 27 says that Simeon came in the Spirit to the temple at the same time that Joseph and Mary brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. The law of Moses stipulated that certain rituals were to be done at the temple 40 days after a child's birth, and it was a way of acknowledging, among other things, that this child was a gift from God, that this child belonged first and foremost to God, and as a part of their expression of worship, they would present an offering to the Lord. And yet in the midst of all this activity, we see God's providence at work. The Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple at the exact same time, 40 days after Jesus' birth, that Joseph and Mary went there with their baby Jesus to present him to the Lord. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit gave Simeon supernatural insight to recognize this child as the long-awaited Messiah, the one that God said that Simeon would see before he died. God orchestrated this timely meeting at the temple. The Holy Spirit was there because Simeon was in the Spirit of God as he came to the temple. And of course, the Son of God was there, nestled in Mary's arms. And so this encounter with the Son of God and the Spirit of God, uh, the God the Father watching over this gathering, soon became a worship assembly where two or three were gathered in Jesus' name. And that leads us to the next part of the passage, the praise, in verses 28 to 33. Verses 29 to 33 are one poetic sentence in the original language, inspired by the Spirit of God as he spoke through the mouth of Simeon. Simeon takes the Christ child into his arms and praises God, saying, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Why was it that when Simeon took baby Jesus into his arms, 
and looked at the child that he prayed to the father, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon himself tells us in his prayer to God in verse 30, the very next verse, he says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Literally, he says, my eyes have seen your saving thing. By looking at Jesus, Simeon was seeing with his very own eyes God's means, the way that God would save the world. Jesus would later say, I am the way. Simeon not only beheld Jesus, but Simeon believed in him as his Savior. In verses 31 to 32, Simeon declares that God had prepared Jesus as the means of salvation in the presence of all peoples. Literally, it says, in the face of all peoples, before their face. That is to say that the world would now see that this was the long-awaited Savior that God had promised, and now they were to have a response to that Savior in order to be saved. Everybody in the world faced the reality that God had sent His own Son into the world in order to save the world. R.C.H. Lenski wrote, Jesus was prepared not as a mere show for the peoples to marvel at, but also for them to appropriate and thereby be saved. And that's what Simeon does in verse 32. He thanks God for his son. He recognizes and embraces Jesus for who he is. Notice what he says in verse 32. He is a light to reveal God to the nations. And he is the glory of your people, Israel. Isaiah had prophesied this very thing seven centuries earlier. In fact, we began our service by including this verse in the opening scripture reading. Isaiah wrote, 700 years before Jesus' birth, the people who dwelt in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light, the light has shined. Isaiah speaks of this future event, the coming of the Christ child in the past tense, as if it has already happened, because when God says something, it's as good as done. All the promises of God are fulfilled 100% in Jesus Christ. Jesus was and is God's light, revealing who God is to the world and revealing God's glory to His people Israel. You know, I want you to think about that where it says that Jesus was God's light to the world. That God, Jesus was God's revelation, His glory to His people Israel. Every single person here, I can say without exception, is either Jew or Gentile. Every single person. So no matter what your ethnicity, Jesus is God's salvation for you. Listen to that. No matter what your ethnicity, whatever it is, whatever your ethno background, linguistic background, uh, wherever you were born on planet earth, no matter what your family background, Jesus is God's way of salvation for you. And he is the only way. Scripture says that there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Verse 33 says, His father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And I thought as I read that, shouldn't we be amazed also? Shouldn't we be amazed? 
The gospel records show that people were amazed at Jesus, particularly in the gospel of Mark. We're told time and time again that they were amazed at Jesus' works. They were amazed at Jesus' words. They were amazed at Jesus' love. But scripture makes it clear that it's not enough to be amazed at Jesus. You must make a decision about Jesus. You must choose to receive him as your Savior and Lord, or sadly, to reject him as your Savior and Lord and go your way. Receive or reject. And then we bear the eternal consequences of that choice. John put it to us rather plainly at the end of the third chapter of his gospel. Most of us know John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that the world would be saved through him. But you must make a decision. At the very end of that chapter, John says, He who believes on the Son has life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. God's wrath against our sin. That Jesus died on the cross to pay for, but we must receive that gift by faith or else it does not apply to us. Have you received Christ Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior? Well, next comes the prophecy. In verses 34 to 36, we read, Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon blesses both parents, but notice that he directs the prophecy specifically to Mary. Simeon must have had a sense or perhaps direct knowledge from the Holy Spirit that Joseph would no no longer be around when this prophecy would come to pass. Simeon declared, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. That is to say that those who refuse to turn from their sin and rely on Jesus alone for God's forgiveness and to be reconciled to God and for the gift of eternal life, they would fall. They would be condemned by God at the final judgment because they refused his one and only means of salvation to the world. But Jesus also would be the cause for many to rise. That though others, that though they had sinned grievously against God, just like everybody else in the world, but they believed that Jesus was the promised Messiah and they put their faith in him alone for salvation, to them is given the gift of forgiveness, the gift of eternal life, the gift of a righteousness that is not their own, the righteousness of God's own Son credited to them by faith. This is God's gift. But it came at great cost to himself. The crowd showed how they felt about Jesus when they crucified him. John tells us in chapter 1 of his gospel that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, to those he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe on his name. Some people did receive the Son, but sadly most rejected him. And the crowd showed how they felt about Jesus when they crucified him. And Simeon says that even as Jesus' hands, feet, and side would be pierced, so would Mary's own soul, her very heart, not physically, but emotionally. 
In John's eyewitness account of the crucifixion, he says, the soldiers did these things, and standing by the cross of Jesus was his mother. Can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary to witness in person with her own eyes the crucifixion of her son? The baby that years ago she had cradled in her very arms. As I think about that, I draw comfort for those of us who are experiencing a painful loss this Christmas. Perhaps someone that you love dearly died this past year, and this is your first Christmas without that loved one. Maybe it's someone who passed away many years ago, and you are still missing them this holiday season. Oh, friends, be comforted to know that Jesus' own mother was not a stranger to such pain. And in some ways, she probably experienced it far greater than any of us will. Furthermore, be comforted to know that this pain that Mary experienced was part of God's greater plan. Seven centuries earlier, Isaiah predicted with amazing precision in chapter 53 of his prophecy, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But then Isaiah declared, listen to this, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Why? Why would God do that to his only beloved son? Isaiah tells us, out of that terrible travail of his soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Praise God. Simeon's words in the temple teach us that peace, the peace of God belongs to those who embrace God-appointed salvation. And that is found in Jesus Christ, his son. Because Simeon trusted in Jesus as his Messiah, his Savior, his Lord, his Deliverer, his Rescuer, he was ready to depart in peace. And that can be true of you this evening. Whether you're departing this place or should the Lord in his time cause you to depart from this life, you will be ready to face God if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And if you have embraced him truly as your Lord and Savior by faith. He is God's means for your salvation. Scripture says in Romans 5, 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why we celebrate Christmas.